welcome to the joyfulness broadcast and on this like probably ninth episode or something back to the humble beginnings with eric brown <laughs> eric thank you for being here dude a pleasure and it wasn't that long ago we spoke already oh, already no. kicking it out with the ninth episode it's beautiful yeah right on all right so i mean there was so much stuff that came up when we spoke and it was a really good fun episode and I think what we didn't get to speak about was the something that you're really interested in. You were telling me about the, how would you put it? I'll let you. Um, that we need more mature adults in society. That when there, there's a common, at least here in North America, there's a kind of off the cuff remark that gets said around a lot, which is like, we're basically a bunch of grown up children. Right. All the adults are basically just older children, but they're still children. And almost whatever problem or challenge I think we speak about, almost all of them, at least I feel, are generated in part by this fact that we are lacking just a mature society overall. And all like all of our problems stem from that. When you give children power, shit goes wrong really quickly. Oh, okay. So what makes uh what makes a mature person as to opposed to a childish person? That's a, that's a great way to start. Um, that's a good question. I hope I don't butcher it right off the bat. <laughs> uh, so one thing that comes up immediately in hearing that is the willingness to accept full responsibility for yourself. Hmm. And what I mean by that is there's a, there's again, another thing plaguing society, this notion of uh, like victim mentality or always being a victim, your problems are always someone else's fault. Mm. And I think there's a very important shift that happens as someone matures, which is like, my life is my responsibility, period. And whatever I want, whatever states I want to be in, wherever I want to go, like, it's it's up to me. Right. Like, period. So the willingness <laughs> to accept responsibility, I think is definitely a huge one. Mm. Um a more this might be a tricky one but a, a community orientation you know right. like a if you think of a, a mature masculine like the the role of the father the role of the man in society like part of it is providing for the community providing the structure providing safety whatever that is um and we still see or at least i see a lot of just i'm in it for me right? A very self-centered, self-absorbed uh, society. And again, you know, when you take something like that on the individual level and scale it up to a nation, a country, uh, a global collective, problems start to come up, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this, this willingness, I guess is how I would say it, a willingness or, a, or actually like a motivation, not even just a not a willingness like oh, okay i'll go do this but an actual like yes i'm going to i'm going to rise up here and i'm going to be of service to the collective because you know <laughs> that is what matters like the we are a collective i'm not an individual like i am part of a greater whole and it's actually an honor for me to serve that and show up for it um so yeah community orientation i think is a big one and then just some of the basic ones, right? Uh, things like honor, integrity, um, discipline, right? Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of these things, like very easy to say, 
when you look around, it's actually hard to find people who embody definitely all of them. In some cases, any of them at all. And again, when you have entire cities, communities, neighborhoods, countries of people who don't even embody one or two of those, real problems start to come up. Mm. Well, there seems to have been some sort of shift with the whole coronavirus. I mean, most of the stuff I'm hearing about is actually coming together. And even like the message in our government is let's get through this together. So there seems to be some sort of shift towards that. Um, But then again, there is also a lot of victim um, mentality and this kind of the dualistic paradigm of victim and perpetrator (laughs) seems to be like pervasive, very pervasive everywhere. So we're in like, I know there's a lot of different aspects of the child and different aspects of the grown up that seem to be coming together. Would you have that same perspective? Yeah, I think, I think it's wrong or maybe not wrong, but maybe slightly foolish to assume that this is something like a light switch or binary where you suddenly go from, you know, none of it to all of it. And you just, you know, mm. a magical day occurs. Like, you know, for us, it's like, Oh, I'm 18. Now I'm a, now I'm an adult. It's like, well, okay. Like not really. So I, I agree that there's, there's probably something like a spectrum or a gradient where you can actually be super mature in some ways, uh, maybe more immature in others, but I would like to see, in myself and in, in everyone, just an actual inclination to be like, okay, where am I actually still immature? And what steps can I take to, to move forward there? And really quick on your point about coronavirus, I think you're 100% right on that. Um, but what came up for me was like, should it always take something really negative to mm. be the force of function here? You know, another example of this is like health particularly, again, a big problem in North America, right? Should it take a heart attack for you to give a damn about your health? Like, ideally not. Like, ideally, you'd actually just have some sort of intrinsic motivation to do it so that you could prevent something like that instead of being forced into it through a very difficult situation. Hmm. Well, actually, so there's something interesting about the responsibility. This is something that I've been interested in or something that's been arising for me is... So our kind of the line, how would I phrase this? The line between responsibility and you know, community. And so in our society, it's very much about independence and financial independence. And that's kind of seen as taking responsibility for our lives. But I mean, I'm a follower of Charles Eisenstein who talks about this, the community and the story of separation moving into a story of the whole and how like there's this i feel like i i seem to sense that there's this line between sole responsibility and sharing in the community and i'll just it like in my own life like my family is you know well well off and we have that and i have that available to me and i've been able to do so much with that but at the same time i also feel this like it's like almost like a psychic push towards financial independence, even though that's not what I actually want. What I want is to, to actually have a financial dependence with a community. That's what I want to have a dependable community. And it's, it's, I don't know. um, Charles calls it like the transition between stories. 
Uh, I'm wondering if anyone else is feeling this. <laughs> Does this resonate anything with you? Yeah, what's really coming up is what is the what is the aim that you have with and not a direct question to you i mean in general like what is the aim you have with financial independence because there's one hand where i actually agree that it's part of like your own personal sovereignty right you should be able to take care of yourself part of that is actually being able to financially sustain your life right so financial independence awesome cool however on the other hand i think the driving force for a lot of people when they pursue financial independence is to completely dip from society. It's like, Oh, I'm just making money. Like I'm just going to go live on a beach and, and do nothing. Right. And it's actually the, the impetus, the driving force for that goal is to just completely check out. Whereas, you know, there, there's a part where it's like, okay, I am financially independent. I've got my shit taken care of. Now I can go, show back up in the community even more because I'd, I need to take even less now because I have all my stuff sorted. Awesome. Great. One of my hobby examples is the classic airline oxygen mask thing, right? Mm. In an emergency, if the oxygen mask comes down, you always put yours on first because you're going to be freaking useless if you pass out and you can't help anyone that way. Right? So yes, take care of yourself first. Like you need to get that sorted so that you can actually be useful when you go help other people and not actually make it worse. But part of that is after you take care of yourself, you do actually go show up for other people again. You go help them put their oxygen masks on. Where I think a lot of this passive income, financial independence, uh, what's the the FIRE acronym? Financial independence, retire early, All like right. that whole group. I think the point is just, or I believe a lot of their motivation is just, yeah, let me make a bunch of money so I don't need to work so I can dip. And again, that just only serves to, you know, um, make us more individual, actually reduce the, the strength and resiliency of society because some of its core constituent members who now have even more resources to help are just leaving. Are you familiar with like the gift-based economy and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's like a real interest for me is the gift-based um, economy. It's actually been like a point of conflict at times where I've been very pushed to like, it's been like an inner conflict than anything. Um, and trying to, so for those that don't know, gift the gift-based economy is just like, I mean, I can't really sum it up, but to me, it's just you give and you trust and you have faith in the other person that they will give back whatever that they can. Um and it seems to be in conflict with the the uh, the transactional model, I would say, where you, you kind of, I'll try to articulate this as well as I can, <laughs> where you try to, so you set your financial goals, right? You're like $100 an hour, right? That's the transactional model. So you have that concrete set. The gift-based one is like, I don't know, whatever you have, whatever you feel which requires a lot of trust. It requires a lot of trust in the other person. So with the transactional model, what you have trust in is you have trust in the system. I guess you could say you have trust in that they will pay that or they will not get their services. Whereas the gift-based one is quite different is you have trust in the other person. You have trust in the other person. In this one, in the transactional one, you have trust, you have financial independence but in the gift-based one, you actually have financial dependence because your livelihood is dependent on um, the other person. 
And I think that's where, that's where the conflict is coming for me because there, there seem to be two completely different paradigms. And I, I'm not sure if the jump, I don't know what a world would look like where everything is gift. I don't even know if it's possible. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> but all I know is that I'm very, very pulled to the gift based one. I'm very pulled to that one. And it's just, there's something really beautiful about trusting someone with your livelihood <laughs> and trusting them and having faith. And that seems to be a very mature culture because you're all very aware that you're all interwoven. Your lives are literally interwoven because now you're dependent on one another. <laughs> you're dependent on one another. So with that in mind, does that bring anything up to you in terms of the maturity stuff? Oh yeah. This is a, I feel like this was a teed up example because again, you highlighted the importance of trust in, in both of those dynamics actually. And again, part of, part of maturity is deep integrity, Hmm. right? And if I can't trust you, well, I'm going to need an intermediary to do that. Basically being the abstraction of money, right? I can trust in money more or less, unless you're one of the countries where money just goes to shit, right? So again, even, even that's on, on a weak ground, but we'll, we'll pass that for a bit. But if I can't trust you, right, I'm going to need something else to trust. But if I can, if I know that we are a, a culture and that the constituents have been built up to be deeply integral persons and people, well then, cool. Yeah, I, I don't need this intermediary to, to like facilitate that trust and I can just go straight up and deal with you directly. Like part of it, part of it is that we just got really big, right? It's hard to, it's hard to, um, you know, coordinate trade and all of this when you have massive cities or like mega cities, right? It, it becomes very difficult because you can't know everyone and you have to know someone before you can trust them, right? So there is a, there is an argument and there was a, a valid purpose you know, for the, essentially the institution of money and mm. currency, super valuable, but we have mechanisms and systems of trade and systems of communication that we can actually build back in to, you know, marry the best of both where, yeah, I need a mechanism for trust because there's just so many freaking people. I can't hold that complexity in my head, but I know, I know because I can feel it that something about the gift and just the shared shared love and we're all in this together thing um, feels right. And so it's actually, I think, a, I think the next few years, decades are going to be a process to your point, the space between stories, like what can we do here? What's the actual opportunity? Because both of them, we could get a synergy from combining the two of them that either one of them probably lack by themselves. Mm, yeah. Well, in, that's, I mean, that's beautiful. And in terms of the trust thing, that's also like a, it's not, I mean, for me, the part of the gift based is you have to really navigate naivety. And I mean, it works really well with small community. You could see how it worked really well in the past when there weren't so many people on the planet and all the cultures were interwoven. Um, but now it's everything so big, like you said. And I mean, quite frankly, we can't trust everyone. <laughs> We, there, there's not everyone is integrous. Not everyone is integrous, which is really that probably the greatest barrier to grift. I mean, if everything, <laughs> I remember part of the reason that um, gift 
just uh resonates with my like soul with everything i remember um i was it was an ayahuasca ceremony and i was just there with the plants i just remember i was like if everyone gave if everyone was in the spirit of gift and if everyone gave then there would be no problems it was just like a realization i was like if everyone was like this then there would be no problems but that's i guess the issue is you have to navigate that not everyone is like that um maybe that is where money can come in i don't know there's a lot more that's why i really like charles eisenstein because he is really frank he's like i don't know how this is going to look but let's just enter the mystery let's enter the space between stories and start to play around with things and see just see what happens i mean a synergy between the two i mean how would that look you know it would be so cool i don't know how um but like you said there's just something about gift based being able to trust someone but that does take a lot of um maturity a lot of integrity integrity and being able to trust integrity and but at the same time being able to trust yourself that no matter what things are going to be okay (laughs) um like your everything just kind of works out um i would put it the universe just just supports everything that i do so there's nothing to worry about even if i get ten dollars in a row ten dollars in a row that's fine someone will come in and something will happen (laughs) so it's a it's a complex one yeah and again you know this is why this is why maturity is a a function of a bunch of characteristics because you know trust is trust is one but you know something like nobility something like like strength of character like oh if 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 this transaction, this trade is deeply out of balance, but I'm, I could actually come out on top. Am I actually noble enough to be like, no, 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 that's not appropriate. Let's actually make this more fair. Like, can you reduce your share? And and then that's, that's equal. Most people given the chance, like probably won't, you know, if, if the cashier somehow rings you up like a discount, right. You're never going to say to them, Oh, actually no, like that doesn't apply to me. Everyone's just like, Ooh, I just got some crazy bonus. Right. But again, in ideal, in ideal circumstance, like that, that can't fly. You actually have the strength. You have to have the strength of character to be like, okay, let's make this, let's make this equal because I care about you just as I care about myself. Hmm. Oh, there's, there's something else there that I want to bring up. Damn. Um, oh yeah and it's uh when when ideas like this are proposed right when eisenstein comes forward with uh the gift economy like all of this stuff it's it's so easy for people to just be like oh i can i can see like a problem or a way that that might be difficult to implement the whole idea is stupid like it has a problem there's no way it's going to work and and we somehow delude ourselves into thinking like the thing right now is problem free mm. it's actually like no we're we're living in a system that is deeply flawed. And again, we can, you know, you can make a a freaking epic bucket list of the way that the current system is flawed. So it's like, yeah, you know, maybe it's not flawless. It's very difficult for humans to design anything flawlessly, but in good faith, could it actually turn out to be better? And if we can say yes, with some degree of certainty, it's definitely worth a test, at least an actual like concerted effort test to be like, yeah, this is not perfect, but we can figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's also part of the maturity thing, which is like just being able to iterate, being able to be like, oh, a setback. Okay, let's keep going. Like actually just being willing to put in the work. 
because none of this is perfect. The thing we're living in right now is definitely not perfect. There's a billion ways it's messed up. And so it's like, okay, what might be a next step here? And what are the actions I can take right now to try to make that happen? Hmm. Yeah, just being able to experiment and just go with it and be happy with kind of whatever. I think that's that's an important part. And I, there, I guess there is, optimism does play a role there, being able to see like, well, I mean, Charles put, puts it um, kind of like, I it resonated with it as soon as I heard it. But what does a more beautiful world look like? Like asking mm-hmm. that question, which is like silly in the like fundamental, rash, ra- rationalist, reductionist, viewpoint what do you mean no no science (laughs) science um but this one it's like a question which kind of speaks to everyone's heart and everyone can answer if they take the time to just Mm -hmm. even if the answer is i don't know and be like oh well shit i don't know wait what is wait what so what what's going on right now (laughs) just being able to ask that um i think that is really important and yeah the integrity to just be like Cause a lot of, there's a lot of, I know attitude. Like I know, I know this, I know that there's not a lot of, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, not a lot of people who recognize that where it's just like, I mean, we don't really know what's, we're just kind of working with what we've got here <laughs> yeah. and we don't know. We actually don't. I mean, people just assume that it'll work, but we have no guarantee that our civilization will survive. There's no guarantee about this. <laughs> uh, people, people just assume that we, we, we will survive forever. I think I definitely felt I could just re- reflecting on myself. I was until I became conscious of this, I kind of just assumed things will just keep going the way they are forever, which maybe that's just a trait of human, human nature, you know, but we have no, we have no guarantee of this and it for the survival of us um, and to build a more beautiful world, it really serves to just ask questions and to actually own that. We have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. You're you're bringing up another favorite hobby horse of mine right now, which is no civilization that has ever existed still exists. Hmm. It is <laughs> the failure rate of civilization is a hundred percent so far, <laughs> and that that that's not that's not even like a joke. That's just yeah. the situation, right? And honestly, like um, the land the land organization has existed for maybe a thousand years, but most functional civilizations have lasted three to 500 years. Like Mayans, Aztecs, Rome, like all this shit. It's like three to 500 years tops. Like 500 is extremely gracious, right? North America is at like 150 right now. We're like halfway, man, to, to the thing. And to your point, yeah, it's called normalcy bias. The idea that I look out my window right now, things are things are stable. They're obviously going to be like that tomorrow. In no way is that true. That's just, it's that's why it's called a bias, right? Because it's a it's a distortion. It's a yeah, it's a cognitive distortion where it's like, oh, this is obviously going to continue, but there's no there's no guarantee of that, and it's actually the precedent that it's the exact opposite, right? That things go wrong a lot of the time, and that when we start to sit around and be like yeah, this is as good as we're ever going to do. Like, whatever, let's just keep this going. Let's maintain the status quo. It's like, well, we've seen where that gets every other functional civilization ever to exist. (laughs) It's not a good spot. It's not a good spot to be. So yeah, and actually, again, like you're, you're threading these really nice, but I think, again, another part of maturity is actually being, actually recognizing how little you know, Mm. right? Actually coming to terms with, being comfortable in ambiguity and actually just being like 
okay, cool. We got some problems. There's definitely some unknown unknowns. Like let's get together, link arms and move towards it together. Because if we do it by ourselves, <laughs> we've seen what's going to happen. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like we have all this history behind us, but there's kind of the naivety that this time it will be different, but we just don't know that's the, I mean, that's just the truth. It's just, we just don't, we have no idea. May as well try lots of other things. I, David Hawking's often says, um, kind of quotes Socrates. I don't remember the exact one, but says something along the lines of, uh, the, the fall of democracy is that everyone is given an equal vote. And when everyone's given an equal power over the direction of a country, it will eventually destroy itself because, um, well, what's the analogy? It's like, yeah, so imagine you're in brain surgery and you have the family telling you how to p perform brain surgery. What the hell do they know of brain surgery? Um, so that's, that seems to indicate that democracy is probably, probably going to fall unless we change something. Yeah. Dude, you're, you're touching on something incredibly important to note here, which is again, like the, the OGs, the creators of democracy, right? The old, greco-roman cultures they had a little asterisk in it and they're like this this will work only if you have an educated involved active populace hmm. and we we've kind of like over we kind of like shoved that off to the side but they're like no unless each individual is extremely capable and competent in and of themselves this thing is not going to work because it has a bias to you know the consolidation of power blah 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 and it was actually again it, you know Democracy is governing by the people, but it's basically just be become governing by the small governing body. But the people were supposed to be the ones who kept them in check. That's why revolutions are also a, a, a hallmark of history, right? Because it was like, oh, wait, I see how this is, is tilting out of line. And we are going to, we are the corrective mechanism. The people are the corrective mechanism. But to your point, you know, none of us give a shit about anything anymore. None of us have any study in history, politics, world religions, like any of it. So we're not capable. And this circles beautifully back to the maturity point, which is if you can't govern yourself, how do you think you can govern anyone else? And this is the cliche. Um, it's kind of been distorted a little bit, but this is the Jordan Peterson clean your room meme. It's not a joke that, you know, how on earth, if you can't keep your room clean and your health in check, do you ever think you can do anything that involves other people? You're the easiest one to control, right? You're the mm -hmm. easiest one that you can govern. And if you can't do that, how do you expect you, you know, all these armchair uh, political commentators like, oh yeah, you know, give it to me. I could do a way better job than these, these fools. It's like, dude, your life is a mess half the time. I could point out 400 things that are wrong. Like, how do you think you could do that for the scale of hundreds of thousands of millions of people? Like, mm -hmm. it's just not going to happen. And so, yes, like, this is why this has become such a, yeah, like a passionate hobby of mine, which is like, because no matter where we get to, no matter what we're talking about, it somehow always loops back to, oh, wow, I need to be a very capable, mature individual in myself right now. Not only for me and just the quality of my own life, but it's also my responsibility to take care of my whole country because I am part of the society that keeps the government in check. And also like helps influence, like it's a dynamic thing, right? People in government, people in government, it's a, it's a two-way relationship, except we've kind of 
accepted or let ourselves be pushed aside. So it's mostly just a one-way top-down thing, which it never was intended to be. And my, my favorite line before I stop this ramble is like, I don't know who said it. It's a great freaking line though. It's um, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other ones. <laughs> and that's, that's beautiful because it's like, yes, it's better than the rest, but in no way does that mean it's the best thing we can come up with. And to your point of like not knowing and experimenting, it's like, okay, so what, what, what does the next iteration actually look like? Like, what could we do here? Like something like liquid democracy is highly compelling to me where you can actually, for each thing you would vote on, like whether it's environment or political or investments in infrastructure or education, you can actually give your voting power to someone else mm-hmm. or take it back. That's why it's liquid, right? Because it flows. So like I could give my vote for the environmental issue to an environmentalist. Or if I didn't like what they were doing, I could take it back. So eventually, in theory, um, experts in their domains might actually have the voting power of tens of thousands of people. And -hmm. whatever they want to do counts as a significant weight. And then that's like, to me, there's something very compelling in that. And it's not a forever thing, right? I could take it back whenever I want if they turn out to be an idiot or whatever. But I actually agree with you. Like people who know nothing about ruling themselves or politics or any of this should not, you know, honestly should not be involved. And that's not a totalitarian thing. That's a get your shit together. Or can we find a way to give the people who know these things more uh, say, more influence in what actually happens here? Because again, politics has become a a drama, an act, a TV show, where again, like it gets brought up all the time. Like people who have only ever done politics should not be making scientific um, decisions, right? Or the classic one is like abortion. Like a bunch of old white men should not be able to make decisions over women's bodies. And it's like, that's true. What if I could just give my vote on that topic to a freaking women's activist who's really smart and capable? I would love to do that. That okay. seems like a great way for it. And it seems reasonable. So yeah, there's room. There's room to improve because this is definitely not the best we can do, though it's the best we've done so far. Mm. Well, that's actually, that's a very cool point. I mean, to be able to distinguish between authority and authoritarianism. <laughs> um, yeah. Giving our, that their authorities for a reason and that's so long as these authorities, if we give someone our power, well, just to take the liquid, liquid democracy thing, taking that, if we give someone our power, we can, and if they're an authority, and if we can verify and be certain, if we can, that they are integrous, and that, so that means that they're not going to take this thing lightly. Like, they're aware of their responsibilities to society. They're aware of the consequences of their actions to themselves and to the rest of the world then we have a really strong, a much stronger system, more likely to succeed. Um, and you know, what's really cool, what came to me is, so David Hawking's, it was famous for the map of consciousness, which is a way to using kinesiology muscle testing, for anyone who doesn't know, you can basically validate the truth of anything, any moment. And so long as your question, line of question and intention is reasonable, you can say something like, this politician they're honest and you can get just by a muscle test your muscle response if it goes strong that's true 
it goes weak, that's false. So imagine being able to apply that to anyone you vote. Okay, this person I'm going to vote for, they uh, they actually know what they're talking about. Yes, they do. They know what they're talking about. Um, and they are honest. They will honor this, like you said, honor nobility, honor the integrity that has been handed to them and not take it lightly. Um, and then being able to give them to that. I would sure love to do that because, I mean, I don't know anything about like politics or the world. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to give it to like, to an authority and i think um david hawkins also mentioned that an oligarchy was the best mm -hmm. the best way to govern was an ol oligarchy where you have like a council of elders is how i understand it you kind of have a council of elders and they decide on the direction based on their expertise and together their expertise comes together to form a much better understanding of the world than they either of them would have on their own that seems like a really powerful way to go forward and like who knows you know it'll be yeah. fun to experiment with these things on a small scale or something like something i'm really interested in something i have in mind is uh having like an ecotech village i think this might be a bit of a side rant <laughs> but ecotech village and with powered by nuclear thorium reactors and kind of see how we gift economy and i am part of this thing that's very interested in an emerging um an emerging story a different story about is there a way we can kind of interweave technology and gift based to create kind of like a node network of um eco tech villages that all help contribute the point of that is there's so many different ways we can try to go about these things and it'll be just, I think it's worth to recognize that they, they may be just as valid as what we have now. We just don't know. We just don't know what they look like when they work, because if we would, we would have them obviously. <laughs> so we just, we just don't know yet. And it, it is, it's really worth just like play around. And I guess, you know that there is that child aspect of being able to just play around with things and just experiment and be okay with whatever and also have the maturity to own i think this is something that kind of plagues academia is own if some own something if you can see that it's not the right direction if it's not the right direction i think that's something that's really lacking you can take for example i mean why if there is this thing that we can calibrate any the truth of any statement why isn't it being used in academia for example the example i would use is like if we want to go for a theory of everything and we have this way to say a statement okay string theory is the best way to go okay no quantum gravity is the best way to go oh strong but you can imagine how there's so many different incentive structures for all these academics that kind of keep them locked in the same way even though it doesn't serve the truth and i mean it's not their fault it's there's so much structure there keeping it and you kind of have to fight against it um this is all just to say that there's a lot of stuff that like you said that's wrong not wrong but errors point of failures uh, that could lead to the end of society as we know it who knows you know and it's really worth investigating these and having the maturity to be able to pursue truth rather than dogma and what we think being able to explore experiment and own that we don't know shit <laughs> dude honestly you know one of the questions that's been coming up is 
or the one I've, I've liked to start conversations with people with is like our economic system is built on continued growth, right? Our world economic system requires like year over year continued growth. And, and, you know, innovation is such a, such a popular word. And just asking people like, what exactly are we growing towards? Like, what are we actually trying to do with this whole thing? What is civilization doing? And like, just leave it at that. Like actually ask them on that and have them give you an answer. Like, what the fuck are we actually doing? (laughs) And you know, if it sounds ridiculous, but like, you know, you can Google, if you Google like a utopian city or something and you, and you see something like the ecotech village, right. You get all this like white glass with trees and nature everywhere and humans living in this like Jetsons level society. It's like, is that the, is that the thing? (laughs) If it is a, that's super cool. And I definitely want that B that's definitely going to take some like radical innovation than what we have now. So why do we fight so hard to keep this thing just the way it is? I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's actually really bad. We provide the highest quality of life to the highest number of people in human history right now. Like, fuck yeah, humans, we've done a really good job. Right. But it's like, dude, I'm definitely not stopping here. Like, are you serious? Like, no, when I can, when I can, this is the world that our hearts know is possible. When I can visualize something like that existing, well, what better thing could we be doing with ourselves? Like, what is the point of civilization if not to try to birth a world like that? And so then why do we fight so adamantly to like not go there? Because what, there might be, uh, a problem or two with it yeah there's a problem or two with what we have now like it's, it's just <laughs> it doesn't have to be this crazy idealistic pie in the sky like hippy dippy thinking it's actually just like well what are we actually doing here why do we think innovation and growth is so good and what's the freaking point if not to give a goddamn amazing world and life to all the humans here and if we can agree with that, well, then it's like, okay, well, what do we actually need? And you get all these lists, right? You get closed loop material production, you get goddamn actual communities instead of all this isolation that we have. And it's like, okay, what do we need to do to make all that happen? And then it's the responsibility of a mature society and individuals to actually be like, what part do I play in moving us towards that? And actually showing up for the collective, like we started this whole thing on, right? Being like, all right, this is what we kind of say civilization is trying to do. I'm a part of it. I want to show up for it. So what can I do? And the best part about that whole dynamic is you actually get to pick the thing that excites you the most. Mm. If it's material production, if it's environmental stuff, if it's community stuff, if it's business and tech innovation it doesn't matter you actually get to pick what excites you the most so that you can help build the future of humanity like i don't see why people are complaining so much it's like yeah there are challenges sure life is pretty challenging at times but like that whole thing is great and i'm down for it so let me get my shit together right that's the starting point the oxygen mask let me get my shit together let me be strong capable and self-sufficient so that i can show up and play a really awesome game with people mm. i mean yeah, dude that's awesome in terms like just asking a question how powerful that could be you know be like what are we growing towards 
what are we growing towards? Um, I think that's what like, yeah. You know, what are we improving on? That's a, that's a, that's a kind of more, I would say spiritual mystical question, but it's like, is what we have is like, is life itself fundamentally broken? (laughs) Like, is it not good enough for you? And that's a, that's a powerful question. Cause you'll see when people say no, it's like, damn, like, really? Like, yeah, there's stuff that's challenging, but like life itself is pretty cool. It doesn't actually need to be improved upon. It's not broken, but we can do cool stuff with it. Mm. So let's do that. Mm. There was a powerful, uh, I heard it somewhere by Charles that, you know, we look upon these like the oceans now and we go whale watching or something and we see like you know a couple whales and we're like wow amazing but there was a time where there were thousands of whales Mm -hmm. thousands just and you could thousands of birds thousands of just life everywhere you could really sense that you were on a living planet um that was alive (laughs) and i think isn't that like the most beautiful thing to be able to look around you and see all this aliveness that you share with everything I mean, that's amazing. The more beautiful world and yep. compare that to where if you kind of keep going this trajectory, a concrete world, like Stasi land, concrete jungle, gray everywhere, maybe a couple of cool trees where we tear down all the forests and like, what are we left with? Is that something that, does anyone actually want that? Or are we just doing that? Cause that's what we're doing. <laughs> I think the powerful thing is just actually all that's required is to just like a moment of recognition. That's all that's required. Yep. It's just to become conscious of it and recognize, Oh shit. Like that's not actually what I want. <laughs> it's just like the power of the collective direction seems to be steering me in that direction. But I mean, I don't actually want that. I'm just doing it cause it's, what everyone else does <laughs> which is fine it's like there's nothing wrong with that it's just to own that and recognize that um and then ask questions you know just start to ask questions what would a beautiful world look like would it be that tech utopia full of like drones and shit or would it be like like avatar you know like we're living mm-hmm. in trees <laughs> connecting with like animals and stuff i mean which ones are more beautiful simple to me i mean they're both beautiful but anytime it seems like nature it's really easy to just see the beauty of it all it's really easy to be peaceful and to be happy around nature it's really Mm -hmm. easy like it's a lot harder in streets roaming with like really loud noises loud noises the one that do it for me really loud noises but it's so easy in nature it's so beautiful to be around nature it's so simple there's no, you don't even need to like think about it, you know, and just getting back in touch with that. Hmm. So I guess in terms of, there is like a spiritual aspect in terms of the spirit of the human and what we all have within us. Cause to yeah. me, spirituality is just a word. It points to some truth, right? It either points to a truth or it doesn't. It's either woo or it's true. Mm-hmm. And if it's true, isn't it worth investigating? And if there's all these people who talk about it, even if there's someone skeptical listening, but there's all these people who talk about it and the people who talk about it, they seem to be very happy and they seem to be very joyful and full of life. Oh, well, if, if we stop for a moment and stop um, judging ourselves and others, we can just ask a question be like, well, what do I want? Do I want to be the way I am? Or do I want to be full of joy, full of life, full of energy, full of, and have these crazy ideas of a more beautiful world and like 
create these wonderful communities of people going towards the same vision. Yeah, touched on some cool stuff, huh? This. <laughs> yeah, and you're getting to something. You're getting to something really good, which is th- there seem to be like these fundamental components to like the meaningfulness or the the satisfaction you experience in life and in the lack of those you try to replace them with a little more kind of watered down things the example i want to use here is something like air conditioning um i've spent spent a good few months living in the jungle uh for our retreats and and some of my own retreats and you know you don't you don't ever say to yourself when you're down there like damn i miss air conditioning <laughs> even though it's hot and like there're bugs everywhere and you're sleeping in mosquito nets because it's like well when i'm down there i'm i'm really connecting with people right i'm doing work that's really meaningful to me and it's like oh those things you know community and and good meaningful hard work and uh, again the presence of nature and actually feeling like i'm part of a much bigger ecosystem like those things trump air conditioning and moving sidewalks and just all the the nonsense that we seem to get distracted by right now and it's you know i would argue that it's because we're lacking those much more fundamental things and if we had those we we really wouldn't be too worried about some of this stuff like you know another example is like uh the there's like 12 hours of sun uh, down in places like Costa Rica and down near the equator, it's like 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Like, I don't miss streetlights. I go to bed at eight and I get up early, right? Like the you know, but when I'm when I'm here and when I'm disconnected from that, like I can't live without electricity because I'm up till like midnight and it's like, damn, I need lights. But it's but it's when I have the more fundamental things, it's just like, oh, I don't miss that at all, like at all. It's not even a second. It's a second thought. And so it's it's always when people present something like intentional communities or move back to nature, it's always viewed as a step backwards. Like we escaped that nasty thing already. Let's not go back there. It's actually like, well, if we can simplify the context that we're in, the surroundings and the buildings, and move back towards the more fundamental things, community, meaningful work, uh, actually time to just enjoy yourself like you'll probably find that you don't miss it at all. Mm. Like, do you really miss like air conditioning on your two week vacation to the Bahamas? Like, I don't know, probably not, probably not enough that you would complain about because you're in such a beautiful place. You're with your family or friends with people you love and that shit doesn't matter. Mm. And if we can actually realize that like right here, right now is like, Oh, it never mattered. It's super cool to have when I have it like awesome. Definitely happy to have it, but in no way is it a requirement for me. And if we can, yeah, actually recognize that, like, oh, this isn't a requirement. It was just kind of a nice to have. But if it's coming at the expense of, like, the future of us, like, damn, I'll definitely get rid of it. Because <laughs> I, would, I would definitely rather have uh, a future, a nice one, one with nature, than keeping my lights on far into the night and fucking up my sleep cycle. <laughs> but, well, in terms of bring that back to like how long societies thrive for the native based peoples are the ones who do the best. And it's really cool. Actually. It's interesting. There seems to be, I mean, the way I see it is there's this like story arc. We kind of started in nature, native based peoples, 
And then suddenly there was a shift to conquering nature and like conquering um, the natural forces. And then now there begins to be this shift to kind of going back to nature again, <laughs> but in a, in a new way, but like that's what Charles calls it. It's like an old story, but it's a new story at the same time, you know, we're kind of going back to the same thing and really using technology to the way I see it is would be using technology to serve nature rather than to serve technology, like growth for growth's sake. It's kind of where I feel we're at right now. We're just growing because we're growing. Why are we growing? Because we're growing. Future. <laughs> Versus, yeah, I mean, what? <laughs> it's because no one has answered that question. Like, what is this whole thing actually trying to do? What is civilization improving towards? Like, you actually have to sit down and try to answer that question. Because, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like, oh, well, I was just born into this and told it was important. It's like, well, what, what are you doing? and why growing yeah i mean it's, it's really absurd if you just take a moment and you just like well hang on what are we actually growing towards <laughs> and then you can actually see but at the same time the absurdity is kind of it's taking us if we don't recognize it soon enough we're going to be it's going to be humanity is going to be a bit to a bad start if we want to kind of move back to what's important to us i mean that's the i guess irony of it all is it in the heart of everyone that's why it's called a beautiful a more beautiful world because it's, it goes to the heart rather than the head in the heart of everyone everyone knows what they want everyone knows how they i mean you can just sense it it's like an intuitive sensing around nature it's easy life's easy so everything slows down everything slows down everything's so fast right now <laughs> everything just slows down and we can all sense it's so beautiful there and like you know in those moments what we care about most is joy and happiness and love and like beauty. That's what we care about most. And yet we found ourselves like this, like destroying everything, but it'll be, it'll be cool to kind of weave ourselves back. Hopefully everyone just kind of wakes up and just like, Oh crap, wait, this is not actually what I want. <laughs> oops. <laughs> but we have to kind of own that. Oops. We have to own that. Oops. Oopsie before we can move on. Um, to the things that we do want and I think I mean I invite people to just own that you know we make mistakes everyone makes mistakes it's part of the human uh, predicament it's part of evolution making mistakes and to try to separate ourselves as I think what I recognized recently was a lot of problems arise from this like unconscious belief that we are omniscient and all-knowing but we're not and a lot of life becomes a lot more joyful when you realize that, like, for example, guilt, I don't know. I've noticed that guilt only arises out of context. So it's like, I did this in the past. Oh, and now I've seen, so I, I've seen what that the choice led to. And now in the future with me seeing what it led to, I can say, Oh, that was idiotic. Like, why did I do that? Oh, but obviously if I saw that at the time, I wouldn't have done it. So I'm not, I'm not omniscient. I don't know that. But now guilt is kind of like thinking, oh, I'm omniscient. I should have known that, should have known better. But like the fact is I'm not, no human is omniscient. <laughs> it's not, it's not the hand we were dealt. So there seems to be, if we just like own that fact about us, that we make mistakes, we can have a lot happier life and kind of lay all this weight off our shoulders, a weight that we choose to carry ourselves by thinking we're something we're not. 
and yeah yeah i think there's a lot of room for like a more beautiful world but i think to me at the core of it is nature nature serving nature and um, changing the direction of technology to serve nature rather than take and really like help bring back life not because not for any reason other than it's beautiful and Mm -hmm. it makes us happy not for any growth not for any like zoo zoo uh zoo zoo theme park thing i don't know um just because it's beautiful and because it makes us happy like that's that's the only reason and i mean what other reason is there than that isn't that why we live (laughs) yeah just becoming conscious of this is all it takes I, i i firmly believe that yeah you know fundamentally like technology is a tool and a tool is a means to an end it's not the end in itself and we've we've flipped that right technology has become the end in itself mm. doing doing you know your your point of growth for growth's sake just doing it because it's actually like no this was supposed to be a tool for us right because nature can can be humans can have a difficult time in nature being somewhat uh, by themselves, they're relatively weak, right? We we are much better in, in groups and, and stronger that way. So we created tech and tools to help us with that, so, right? Because we wanted to continue and experience life too. Um, but we've kind of gotten lost with that and actually just like, well, we need to keep doing this be, because of it. And you're touching on a... You're touching on an important, like, almost metaphysical or like religious orientation which is, you know, the West kind of, we kind of view ourselves as ghosts in the shell, right? You're the soul that like came down from heaven, you're children of God, and now you've been put here to suffer the external world. You've been put in this difficult environment and you have to make it work, right? Like not everyone in the world views humans that way. Like a lot of Eastern culture view us as an emergence from nature, an actual part of it, like a growing section of it, right? So I'm not here to suffer nature. I'm here as a part of it, right? And that's actually a much more compatible orientation, I think, because it's, A, it's true. <laughs> like it's true. We, we grew and, and evolved through nature. We are a part of it. We're not separate from it, though we may, we may try to kid ourselves otherwise. And that's why, again, this actually like shifted. This, is, this has been my this has been my career shift, right? I, I, I started off working in tech. I was like, I want to save the world. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, we, we have all the tech we need right now to give everyone high quality lives. We just choose not to. And like, what you've been alluding to a lot here is the change that we need right now is fundamentally psycho-spiritual in nature. It's not in a technological, like a socio-tech nature it's i actually have to change my orientation to how i play a part in this you know we we spoke on i have to change my orientation to ambiguity and actually be comfortable not knowing things as much right that that requires zero technology whatsoever Mm. right you don't need to go get anything to make that shift happen that's actually a lot of deep internal work and resiliency training and whatever right or Things like moving away from scarcity or victim mentalities, again, requires nothing outside of you to do that. That's actually deep inner processing that has to happen. It's difficult, sure, 
which might be why not a lot of us have to do it. But like the things that we are being tasked to do to actually like carry forward are fundamentally psycho-spiritual in nature. They're changing the way you perceive, act, and influence the world. And you don't need any tools to do that, right? And so, yeah, like we are, yeah, we're not being called to invent our way out of this. We're being called to like grow our way out of it. Mm. Yeah, grow, grow our way back with nature. Um, and like we totally are nature, you know, like everyone has, there's a, it's really funny. There's like a lot of resistance around the word God, but if you use another word, it's fine. <laughs> but the <laughs> word points to the same thing, no matter what. Right. And to me, another way to say it in a more compatible way is like, we're all everything, everything that there is, is governed by the same laws. And you could call that the laws of nature. There you go. That's what it is. <laughs> and like, of course we're part of it and it's a really beautiful thing, but there's like all these mechanisms in, in inner mechanisms, which kind of keep us separated from it and kind of like the hero's path is to kind of overcome those and kind of unite with a simple truth, beautiful truth. And in terms of like being comfortable with ambiguity, I mean, I think the most honest thing I can say is that like, if I'm speaking about something, I can only, say for example with death right so i can honestly i can only say as far as i am aware i that i i lack i'm i'm not i lack any fear of death but as far as i'm aware that's the only that's the most honest thing i can say there might be things that i'm unaware of so it's not honest for me to say i know because i don't there's no possible way, especially working with the unconscious stuff that's unconscious is below beneath conscious awareness. So you don't know what's there. And it, it, it's, I mean, I can see how it can be a big, scary thing. It definitely is it's not something to, to even come towards the unconscious to be like, Oh shit. There's like all these parts of me that I don't know about. Um, but just to be able to say, as far as I'm aware, this is the case rather than, I know this is the case, I think is a really important step to the right direction. I remember after my first ayahuasca ceremony, <laughs> I, I was very careful in my words. I said, I, I found myself saying, I know. And I'm like, oh shit, no, 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 no. Because there was a very big hit to my ego after the first one. Um, so, and that was a very important thing. It was a very important thing. So I think we can move towards that maturity by just, I don't see maturity is the same thing as honesty. It's just being honest, being integrous and being integrous is just to say that right now you're only aware of what you're aware of. Bam. You've just crossed the threshold. That's it. Cross the threshold. It's that simple. It can be that easy. It can be that simple to just say, I'm aware of what I'm aware of. I'm not aware of what I'm not aware of. Okay. I'm happy to face what I'm not aware of or kind of recontextualizing that. Am I, willing to go into that which i'm not aware of to find that treasure to the find the bliss to find the ecstasy which people talk about this joy beyond joy these golden land um am i willing to do that um i think that's that and again that requires like you said no technology at whatsoever what it requires is guides guides have been there people who know the way which is why probably the native based peoples were so good at this. Cause that's what, I mean, they were all about living life, actually living it. <laughs> and 
yeah, it's very interesting how we've kind of, we're coming full circle and it'll, it'll be interesting to see where we go. You know, nothing's guaranteed. It's up to us to make what we make of it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we, we come back to this again and again, but your point of the necessity of the guides, I feel is correct. And we, ha- and we come back way to the, the earlier point we brought up, which is people checking out. So again, on the financial independence thing where people just become financially independent and dip, the greatest example of that is seniors and elders in retirement where they have enough money to live off of. Maybe they're getting a pension and what do they do? They all dip. They all go to some warm place and they completely check out and do nothing. They do nothing. They leave society, right? So we have, we have a twofold problem. One, all the elders have gone. And two, the rite of passage is completely gone, which was the, what would you call it? The system that cultures used to create mature adults, that intense experience that they then viewed themselves as an adult afterwards and the community viewed them as an adult afterwards. So both of these things are gone. The two things that were like fundamental to helping (laughs) steward maturity have um, vanished entirely. They've been forgotten. They've been lost. We don't see the importance of them. And now, as we've just alluded on this whole freaking arc, we're seeing all these ripples, all these ripple effects from having... um, basically immature cultures and to that point as well none of this is actually blaming people i'm not i'm not sitting here trying to blame people like yeah you're all immature lazy stupid it's actually like no this is a real problem because the processes that were supposed to steward our maturity namely elderism the council of elder the council of elders and rites of passage are gone what can you expect of a person when their two fundamental pillars into maturity have just eroded on them well, not much, in my opinion. <laughs> like, you can't expect very much. And that's a problem because going way back to your point earlier on being able to trust people, I should actually be able to expect a lot from you. I should be able to expect a lot from you because I should know that you're a capable, competent human because you've been stewarded effectively as you grew up, became an adult, had the wisdom of elders teaching you, but I can't because you didn't get any of that. And so, all of our, you know, no trust, we're increasingly isolated, like blah, blah, blah. All these problems stem from this huge, like, erosion in the practices that facilitated maturity. I think that, that was, like, a really good point, dude, about the, it's no one's fault. Like, what, what for me, what is being said here is, like, this is just kind of what, this is the perspective on what has happened. This is what's going on. And there is no judgment of anything. It's just like, this is kind of, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. This is what we have to, what we have to address. And in terms of, of course, it's no one's fault, you know? Um, how can you expect anything of anyone where they grow up in this? If someone grows up in an environment like this, like the Western world, like I did, you know, what are we expected of? I mean, it was, it was quite frankly miraculous that I, it, it was all miracles. I was pulled by something other than anyone, any known thing. It was just a pull. It was a pull that pulled me through all the bullshit. <laughs> but so, but we're kind of, we're in layers of shit, you know, and that's kind of what we have to crawl out of. Uh, <laughs> so like, we, we don't expect anything of anyone because like, if people knew this, 
if people were capable of this, then they would already be there, you know? So the fact that someone is not there, the fact that someone is, maybe they have a lot of immature characteristics. That's not, it's not anyone's fault. Like there is no perpetrator. It's not what, just how things are. I think the best, perhaps the best way model theory, like conceptual framework to look it through is like, that's just how the conditions right now, that's the output of the conditions in place right now in society. Well said. And like, that's it. There's no need for victims. That's just the conditions. Okay. That's the conditions. So you're neither a victim nor are you a perpetrator. It's like the Zen thing, neither this nor that. It just is what it is. And now you can recognize it and be like, okay, what do I want instead? I think that's a powerful question. What do I want instead? <laughs> well, and we get back, we get back to the very sneaky thing of victim mentality because we've just proven, uh, well, it's very easy to say, well, I'm just a victim of circumstance. I was made this way. How can you expect this of me? Right. It's very easy to cop out of all of this because you don't have to take responsibility for any of it because you don't actually have to take responsibility for any of it mm. because you were, you were grown and cultivated in a culture where this was the expected outcome. But, you know, a mature person is like, well, is this the kind of person that I want to be knowing this? And though things have happened to you that you can't change anymore, you can now change how you orient and show up in the world. And so, yes, it is the mark of a mature individual to be like, okay, now that I can see this, what am I going to do about it? How am I actually going to move forward? And what am I going to move forward towards? And that, that's, again, I think why like the victim game has been so prevalent because there's a part of it, there's a part that's actually true, where it's like, yeah, a bunch of forces were working on you and you didn't have a whole lot of input because human children are freaking useless until well into teenage years, right? Where actually, you know, your brain's not even like fully developed until you're like 25. Like we need a lot of handholding along the way, but literally part of maturity is being like, okay, I don't need you to hold my hand anymore. I got this and I'm going to steward my own process now. So it's like, on one hand, yeah, cool, your kind of victim of circumstance thing holds some water, but you definitely shouldn't be proud about that. <laughs> and you should actually want to do something about it. Well, this is an interesting one. So it holds water if, if you believe it to be. But as soon as, you take, as soon as you take responsibility for your experience of life and you say, I don't have to be this way, then now you've opened up the gates. So it's really the power of the individual and their choice. And the way I would, the way I like to like negate any victim, victimhood is to go to the extreme and to pull up uh, someone like Viktor Frankl for me. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I mean, he, he was in a concentration camp in the worst possible circumstance, literally stripped to nothing but naked flesh. And he, he came out of that and he said, no one can take, my attitude away the way i decide to live my life the way i choose to give meaning to my life no one can take that away that there is no victims there are no victims you can just take victor frankl's integrity for that victimhood is a choice and it's it's a choice which locks one in victimhood and that's not it's not the judgment it's just like is that what you actually want and you can just look at the payoff, the juice that you get out of being a victim, being like, okay, there is a lot of juice in it. Like I get to feel good. Everyone gets to like pity me. I mean, our society right now really pushes people towards like 
victim. It's like, how have you, I remember university is like a ground for victimhood, <laughs> the victimhood club. Hey, this one, we're victims of these people. No, no, they're victims of us. Um, but then you can just ask a simple question of, is it worth it? Is, am I actually happy or am I just, just juicing this for what it is? Why don't I just let it go? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is great. Uh, this is great because we've actually full circled to our original conversation, which is nothing external can harm you. <laughs> right? and, and these things are actually tying together beautifully because it's like, yeah, you know, you do actually have the power of that choice, right? The interior of you is untouchable if you let it be. And at any moment you can choose to let it be that way, right? Like I am the only one influencing the way I think and act and show up in the world. And it's true. It's true. And it's actually incredibly empowering. So not only <laughs> should you not want the victim thing, it actually just isn't very fun. <laughs> you, can change it. you can change it like right on the spot. Just be like, oh, right. If it's external from me, if I couldn't control it, it shouldn't even matter to me. Hmm. And all I should concern myself with is what am I doing? What am I thinking? And how am I showing up in the world? And boom, then you've taken complete control. And yeah, sure. Maybe it'll take some work to actually undo, unlearn the stuff that's been going on and move towards what you want but at least it's in your power now okay awesome all right so do you have one thing one quick simple thing to help people take ownership of enter a more integrous way of being let's say um yeah i guess you could have a little mantra which I don't know. I think it was Aristotle. It's some philosopher. Um, three guiding, three guiding questions, the true, the good, and the beautiful. Cool. And make all your decisions around that. Is this true? Yes or no. You start there because that's base foundation, right? We're not doing anything that's false. Is it true? Is it good? And is it beautiful? <laughs> if you can shape your life around that, like that's the essence of everything we've just spoken about, right? What is true here? What are the first principles? Is this actually good for me, my like me, others in the world? And is it goddamn beautiful? Because if we're not we're not doing beautiful stuff. Life is art, right? Your life is a masterpiece. Like if it's not going to be beautiful, what are you doing, man? Mm. So yeah, and you know that shows up in the way you act too, right? Is what I'm saying true? Is it good? Is it helpful? Because you can say truthful things that just hurt people, right? So is it true? Is it good? Is it beautiful? right? Like go listen to Alan Watts speak. It's beautiful. He has, he speaks artistically, yeah. right? Like you can do that. You can do that in everything, how you dress, how you treat people, um, the way you show up in the world, the work that you do. So that I think could go a long way for people. Is it true? Is it good? And is it beautiful? Yeah, that's powerful stuff. All right. Thank you, dude. Thank you. This has been good fun. Uh, any last words? Been a pleasure. Last no, no, that was amazing as always. Thank you. All right. And listeners, if you like this, then give it a like or a rating on whatever podcast station you listen to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow the Facebook page to be notified of any future content, uh, joyfulness broadcast, and I'll see you next time.